Welcome to another episode of Small Talk, Small Government with Bill and Deb. Hey, Bill. Hello. Hello there. This is our 13th episode, Lucky 13, right as we're rolling into Halloween and all that. So on this day, we are going to uh, take this episode to discuss the top voter concerns. We are 15 days from the election at this point. Bill has found a handy-dandy counter on this matter. Bill, what is the actual, as of this moment in time that we are recording, how much time do we have to, you know, bring out the logic in ourselves and vote right in November? (laughs) Well, set your timers. It's 15 days, 15 hours, 21 minutes, and 13 seconds. Wow. I feel the pressure is on. Yes. And you know, we started this project, and I, I've, I've said it over and over to remind people that, that might be wondering, why are Bill and Deb wasting their time doing this ridiculous thing? Well, we sure hope that it matters. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we started at the beginning of this year, kind of like reeling from the year that we had just had in 2021, like, wait a minute, that wasn't any better. I thought they said things were going to be better, you know? And instead, yeah, and we was, saw a whole lot of weird things get a lot worse. Yeah, exactly. That was reeling from the 2020 year that uh, that we thought would never end. And yeah. So just a continuation, and so, it seems like. And Yeah. And we said, we've got to do something. It feels completely wrong to do nothing about any of this, to be talking about these important matters going on. You know, to this day, I talk about this a lot with my family and people close to me. I, I have a real problem with going through the motions day in and day out, not spending any time at all in our in our regular circles, you know, whether it be with mm-hmm. your coworkers or your neighbors. To me, what's going on is such a big deal, and we have so much at stake, so much to lose. I have a hard time just acting as if day after day, you know, like this isn't looming over us. And, and it, it's something, I mean, it causes me a lot of anxiety. So, mm-hmm, um, yeah. you know, I've, I've found ways to deal with that this year. And one of them is, I thought it was a great idea that we took on this project thinking, well, you know, what can we do? We have these conversations with each other anyhow. Maybe we can put together a little podcast and see if some of the people that we know that, you know, are lifelong Democrat voters who maybe don't quite see how things are changing so rapidly and how, you know, maybe that party is not really for you anymore. Maybe there are some things for you to think about that, um, you know, all of us should open our eyes to with the government overreach that's been happening. It's it's so clear oh, that yeah, they don't have yeah. our best interests at heart. It's so clear that many of them don't deserve their positions, you know, whether yeah. it be that they, they don't seem to have been legitimately voted in in some cases, and we'll get to that in another episode some other time. Or they're, you know, incompetent and chosen for the wrong reasons. So, you know, we the people have a lot to do to look at this right in the face and understand what's going on. How did we get here? And what do we do to try and, you know, make it so that this doesn't happen again? So, um, you know, we realize we want to get serious. We've got an election coming right around the corner. What should we talk about in this episode? So we said, let's just do a uh, an episode on voter concerns you know, I think that any poll that you look at these days, any news source mm-hmm. that you watch, and I, you know, we lose use the term news source loosely, whatever yeah, it yeah. is that you're watching or listening to, I think it's that it, the same top three everywhere that I've heard, and that's crime, 
inflation and the economy kind of yep. bundled together mm-hmm. and education. Those are what so, I've heard as well. I mean, the, the news sources, again, using that term loosely, will have three different uh, ideas uh, for mm-hmm. what what might be the, the top three. But uh, but it always seems to come down to the those three that you just mentioned. Yeah. And I mean, these are these are what we would call the kitchen yeah. table issues. Yeah. These you affect know? everyone. <laughs> So we're going to talk about those three points and then maybe a little bit on some of the more consequential elections that are going on that we happen to be following. So uh, first, let's let's talk about a little bit of the, the crime wave that we know that's going on. You know, it's funny because I, I find myself pretty in enmeshed maybe is the word in in the crime talk you know i mean i i, I listen to a lot of podcasts i lo- i watch mm. a lot of different news sources um i i read from a lot of journalists that aren't on tv anymore or you know that that have been almost deplatformed and you know yeah yeah and so you know to me like it, it's funny when i hear people talking about going up to new york to see a show because that's like the last thing on my mind. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, for a long time, it, I had no interest in that because the state had such ridiculous uh, COVID policies that I wasn't willing to deal with those. And then <laughs> yeah. now when I see the stuff going on, like, you know, transit crime has mm-hmm. increased in New York quite a bit and in D.C. and, you know, major cities. But, you know, I don't want to go up there and, and, and deal with that. So yeah, and and interestingly enough, uh, the day before yesterday, I was actually talking to some of my friends, and the topic of New York came up, and and they say, well, I really like to go up there, but no, I don't think I will for those exact reasons you just mentioned, all the crime and yeah. the policies and everything. So I mean, it costs you an arm and a leg to get a hotel up there. You go to a yeah. show, it costs you know hundreds of dollars even for just one ticket. It's just yeah. it's just a lot to do. I you know I I I feel like. You know, maybe it's my age. Now that I'm in the official 40 club, I can, you know, complain and let my dollars do my (laughs) voting, you know, but like, I don't want to support that. I don't want to give them any money. I don't want to pay a single cab driver up there. I don't want to go to a single restaurant. I just, I don't support what they're doing. You know, they've, they've defunded the police. They've put all these radical, ridiculous policies in place. I just, I don't want to support that, you know? Yeah. How did that uh, defunding the police work out for them anyway? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and so, and and that's that's the thing. So, what you know, when when you when you think about that, like defunding the police and that kind of thing, it, it makes you think about the two different approaches that the two sides, the two political parties, have to crime these days. Mm-hmm. And you know, when, like when you talk about the Democrat Party, you can't help but talk about it in this big blanket term because I'm sure there are individuals in the party who are not happy with the way things are going on. But the way the the, the thing operates like a machine, you have to comply or else you're not in it. And so all yeah. of them are voting just all the same all the time. And you know the 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 real individual thoughts or ideology or anything just isn't allowed. I mean, I really appreciated Tulsi Gabbard. What was that last week? Getting mm-hmm. out of the party completely. I mean, and and the fact that she's called other Democrats to do the same thing. I wish yeah. more would because I I know that they they can't all be happy with the way this is going. Um, <laughs> no. So, but anyway, yeah, that was one of the big major differences that we've seen in the parties over the last few years. The, the big defund the police movement came out. Obviously, the Republicans don't in any way want to defund the police. There are Democrats who have kind of tried to backpedal it, uh, you know, in the now that we're approaching midterms and now that they've seen some of the outrage of the public. 
Mm -hmm. Um, but there are still some who will, who who will proudly keep saying it. Um, I, I think that what Corey Bush has won Mm -hmm. and, um, I, Ilhan Omar, who I haven't heard much from lately, but you know, she and AOC are other ones that are like, they're the most extreme. So I hate talking about them because I don't like it when people talk about our side and bring up the quote, most extreme, (laughs) but I'm finding the most extreme on the right to be less and less and less extreme all the time, personally. That's, you know, from my perspective, but I think it's all relative as well. You know, and I, I think at its core, you know, the, the, the difference in what we've found ourselves dealing with today is that the, the Democrats view, um, you know, our general system of crime and punishment. They that's that's one of their major racist talking points, you know, after George Floyd in um, what was it, 2020, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, that that's the 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 the, the talking point is that um Basically, punishing crime is racist, and in order to have more equity in the, in the system and in our society, we have to punish crime less. Particularly yeah. if the vic- if if the criminal you know hits certain boxes that might have made him less advantaged throughout yeah. his upbringing or you know whatever it might be. But it, it's and then and then the 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 victim is just like not thought of at all. That's a problem that we have all citizens of this country, no matter the, the you know, race or uh, creed, religion, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. We should not find it acceptable that our cities are overrun with crime, period. No matter who is living in them, that's not okay. And what has caused that over the years is many, many decades in some cases of one party rule. The Democrats are in our cities and you can see that. So on to, you know, some of the more current relevant kind of topics with this. So we talked a little bit about New York and I'll I'll get into more of that in a bit. But so earlier this year, L.A. County in in California tried to recall George Gascon, uh, district attorney, and amazingly, we're not able to do it. And I mean, I... I, I don't even try anymore to wrap my head around what the people of California want because it seems so completely foreign to me, but you know, that's okay. If that's what they want in California, that's the beauty of choice and states, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so that guy, Gascon, he, he's had, it's almost like he's one of those George Soros DAs that, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's here on a mission, you know, to basically like dismantle our society and create chaos um, through his position by basically not doing his job or allowing criminals to go free. So that model that he got in and, and, and implemented has spread throughout the country. There's many cities that are dealing with the same exact thing. Um, a quick side note, I'll point out, it wasn't too long ago that um, Governor DeSantis uh, was going to fire I, I think it, a DA somewhere in, in Florida who he mm-hmm. came right out and said publicly at, during an event or a press conference or something, he said, in Florida, if a DA is not going to do his job or a prosecutor is not going to do their job to prosecute criminals, well, then we are going to do something about it and, you know, remove them from their position or, you know, yeah. otherwise address the matter ourselves. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, that's the kind of thing. So, for me... When I say, like, I, I'm done trying to understand what people in California want, that that's insanity. If that's really what California wants to continue to live with, that just just nuts. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm so grateful that I don't live there. I'm grateful that I'm currently not stuck somewhere 
with something crazy going on like that, that, you know, and, and, and you, yeah. you don't have the means to leave, you're stuck, you, you know, you think about how many people are barely making ends meet, they couldn't possibly think about getting up and leaving, you know, they got their kids in this crappy public school, whatever it might be. But anyway, that's just that's absolutely it, I, I, the, the desperation California. of that. I, I really feel for it because I've said a thousand times, like, I, I'm just so grateful that I'm, I'm not in a position of life right now that I have to be concerned about a young child's education or safety or, you know, that kind of thing. I, I, I can't imagine yeah. right now. Uh, so some of his uh, policy changes that have kind of like swept the country, some of the majors that have that have, uh, I think, caused the biggest backlash are uh, no longer trying juveniles as adults, no matter how heinous the crime Oh, and um, and and then also doing away with sentence enhancements. Hmm. So enhancements are things that they add on to the details of a case when they're when they're making the decision on how to decide on the case. They'll yeah. add as relevant attributes to the crime, such as you know, was the criminal in a gang? Did the uh, criminal okay. use a gun? You know, um, uh, you know, was was the act violent or whatever? And and the the argument that they give in law enforcement about this is, you know, a robbery is a robbery on paper, on the books. Mm -hmm. Robbery is robbery, taking someone's property. That's yeah, what robbery yeah. is. You know, you can do that as a you know running through and by an old lady on the street and just snatching her purse and you keep on going. Or you can mug the woman, pull a knife on her, throw her down some stairs, you know, you know, your gang is watching the whole thing unfold. You yeah. know, now all of a sudden you got extra stuff. You've got a weapon, you're in a gang. And so this makes it so that, you know, these two different crime scenarios are not looked at the same. Which, you oh, know, okay. that makes sense to me. So that makes sense. They've yeah. decided, yeah, but 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 they've you know, because of the obsession with making everything race-based also, the powers that be, like the, the the crazy leftists and 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 those who are in charge of these changes in policy, say yeah. that those sentence enhancements and things like that are racist. So, it's really interesting because, uh, you know, e even some videos have gone viral of of criminals in different California prisons, you know, drinking like... Prison wine and stuff like that, celebrating the fact that they're getting out soon because of these policies with Gascon. Wow. I mean, they know this. And I mean, like, you know, people just crying on the steps of the courthouse over their loved ones having been murdered. And now the guy's back out on the street and stuff. It's just really I mean, I don't know how people can look at that and still view the Democratic Party as the party of, you know, love and, uh, you know care for the people. I mean, to me, that's like animalistic. They're just, I was just reading a story and it'll be in our notes. Uh, a woman in LA, still on the California track, LA, uh, beaten and raped brutally while on a dog walk, broken bones, missing, missing teeth. She's required five surgeries. Oh, that particular terrible. assailant had just been released from jail on a misdemeanor involving the fact that he had a dagger. So he shouldn't wow. have had this knife, and they let him go. He had a record anyway, and then, I mean, he went on to commit this crime, like, within a day. Wow. So that's crazy. That is um, terrible. Yeah. And another one, you, uh, I think you're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in Pennsylvania. The the mm -hmm. Philly, uh, Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner, uh, you know, he's he's that community is dealing with the same things and protesting against that guy. He recently let out a murderer 
Um, The guy was convicted in 2012. He's been in jail since that time. Krasner has now let him out. He is now suspected of yet another murder. Wow. So, yeah, this this particular DA has been in office and in his position since 2017. Crime has gotten progressively worse in that city since that time. I mean, hey, if you don't don't prosecute crime, there might be more crime. That is how things happen. Yeah. There's, um, uh, in, in Chicago, uh, you know, I, I got tired of watching the press conferences in Chicago. I mean, Lori Lightfoot is just, I mean, she's a criminal herself. If she doesn't realize what she's done to that city and, and, but, you know, thank God, finally reporters are starting to call her out in press conferences. The people are starting to show up. I mean, that's encouraging because that's the thing for me. I'm like, you know, we, this is such a big deal. What we have coming up in 20 in, in next month. So I'm glad that people are starting to see it. We're not going to sit quietly anymore and just wait for it to go away. That that's that's one of the things that um you know, some people that are a little bit less passionate than I am about this will always say, "Well, you know, the pendulum just swings back and forth, back and forth. Don't worry. Don't get too anxious. There'll come a time it'll just work itself out." It's not going to work itself out. Not this time. They're way too entrenched. They've got their claws and everything. It's pretty obvious. Speaking of the, the, the people standing up and getting it. Tell me, Bill, that you saw the video of AOC dancing awkwardly to the chants um, during a town hall. Hey, hey, mm-hmm. ho, ho, AOC has got to go. Hey, hey, ho, ho, AOC yep. has got to go. And, and, she's and there she was. There like, yeah. Yeah. There she was dancing to it like it was like Just they were cheering her on. Yeah. Quite a beat. Yeah, yeah. So but that, that's not good. the that's not the first time that's happened. The people in her district are, are starting to stand up and realize that that uh, she's just one of the establishment right now. Yeah, and, and, and then that's what they were saying. Like, you aren't doing a thing for us. What is the point of having these people who are supposed to be representing us? Like, what what, what planet do you live on that you think yeah. that's what we want? And wasn't there um, the one guy at the at the meeting who who said, you know, what are you basically what are you doing for us? You're you're basically basically trying to start nuclear war. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, how, how are you trying to avoid any of this? You know, what, do you, what are you doing for us besides uh, trying to get us all killed in the nuclear right. war? For sure. And I mean, you know, meanwhile, there, there are rapes going on in broad daylight in that city. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, crime is on the increase all throughout. Criminals going unpunished. What are you doing? But, you know, you're, you're concerned about... You know, whatever new global issue there is, I mean, like I and and that was another thing. Wasn't the tent city that was supposed to be uh, built for the migrants going to originally be in Queens, and then they yeah, moved it someplace like else? Yeah, one of those uh, one of those sanctuary cities, yeah. sanctuary city areas, or whatever. And yeah, and then, uh, Abbott, I think, was uh, was sending migrants up there, sending a couple thousand up there, and then uh, and then Adams was like, "Oh no, this is this is far too much. We can't deal with this. We need immediate assistance." Well, yeah, so that that was something I saw some uh, some reporters going around and interviewing some of the other homeless in New York and saying, I mean, basically, like, how do you feel as a as a homeless American citizen knowing that a facility is being erected just blocks from where we stand mm-hmm. where uh, the the migrant homeless population will have xbox access to this that and the other three meals a day 
you know, all of this entertainment vouchers for different things like and 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 they they're like well yeah i don't i don't like that yeah why yeah. is that not but because they're like they're like hey i mean the homeless shelters that i could go to are you know full of disease and you know run down and on and, and they put this thing mm-hmm. together for the migrants which is yeah what, what was more it, can was- they do to create divide <laughs> And in many cases, like helping the homeless to stay homeless and to, and, right. and helping them to stay in like a, you know, a, a drug induced state or, you know, it's just, it, it really is sad. Yeah. The, the, the blind eye that's being turned to the epidemic of like, you know, drug use and homelessness in, in, mm-hmm. in, in many places. But yet so, we're giving the, we're giving the illegal immigrants all the, all the benefits and not helping our, our, uh, our fellow Americans who are, like you say, uh, having drug issues or or whatever they need they need help yeah exactly and so you know and, and that's the thing and and that's uh, the, you know they the 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 right and left as we call it the democrat and republican sides of the house they just they have also completely different ideas now on immigration yeah we're just yeah. i mean it's like we're black and white at this point like you know they they have a real they have got something to gain with this wild open border policy. And it's all about, you know, bringing about this great reset, fundamentally changing America, as it were, uh, you know, I- insert catchphrase here. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they, 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 they do want it this way. You know, how can we see it any other way? Yeah, that's, so, that's, but, that sure seems like the, 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 the goal that they have. Yeah. Whereas we, you know, uh, the, the Republican side of the House wants controlled immigration, uh, merit-based in, in wherever possible. That's the way it should be. That's the way any sane country that cares about protecting its people first mm-hmm. would handle this. That's the way any other country in the world does it. Nobody has like a crazy open border walk-on-in policy. We do now, and we're letting God knows who over here. Um, bogging down our system in the worst ways. And, you know, all I can hope is that all of these people who are coming here to um, anybody who's coming here legitimately fleeing socialism, I hope that they do take the actions on their own initiative to become citizens, to be able to vote and help us clean up this mess. Yeah, And, yeah. and I, I'd like to believe that there are a heck of a lot more of them um, than people wanting to come over here to create chaos. I, I hope that that's oh, yeah. the way it ends up working out. I think so. And, and, and those who come over here from socialist countries know why they're fleeing and hopefully would recognize in short time what's happening here and that, that it's, uh, it's on the path to the system that they just left. Yeah. And it's funny because that's, and I think I might've mentioned it even last time we talked with, with when, when the press secretary is standing up there saying, well, let's just, you know, Let's understand that these migrants are fleeing socialist policies in their country. And I'm thinking, okay, great. Next question. Does this mean that we should stop our socialist train? No, no, no. They're just doing it wrong. We'll do it right. You know, the, the age old argument there. But yeah, no, one, no, one's done this right so far. We're going to do it right. Yeah, yeah, it just 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 needs the the perfect right ingredients blended up and then it just spits out utopia. Yeah. So, anyway, exactly. so that's a little bit on crime. I mean, obviously it's it's a massive thing on on voters' minds. And, you know, in my opinion, I just I don't see how 
if you have a focus on crime and you see what's happening, um, you know, at the border, in cities, what might be trickling its way to you, I, I don't see how that's not a major thing on your mind when you're voting this year. So yeah, definitely. what's next on the list of major concerns? One of the other issues that is a, is a priority for voters is inflation and gas prices and, and basically just the economy. And uh, these are the uh, the the kitchen table issues. These are the things that everyone can experience. Everyone can see. We all go to the grocery store on a regular basis. We all fill up our cars on a regular basis. We all buy stuff on a regular basis. We all know that uh, the things are more expensive than they were not long ago, and we all know that the uh, that the supplies of things are less than they used to be. Uh, so these are these are the things that that really can't be uh, have a spin added to them by the you know the the news media uh, because we can we can just objectively see this. We used to spend however much on on groceries every week, and now we spend a lot, a lot more. So they can't uh, um, they can't spin that away. And one of the things, one of the main things, is uh, is gas prices. You know, it affects affects us. Um, heck, even if you don't have a car, it still affects you because. Uh, mm-hmm. The stuff you get still has to come on, you know, on a on a truck or on a car or something like that to wherever you are. Recently, the gas prices have come down. They've gone up a little bit, but for the most part, they've come down from their highs in in the summer. And part of that has to do with the release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And the other part of that is fears of a sharp economic downturn. Uh, so that. And that second part really isn't isn't the kind of thing you really want to have uh, uh, baked into your uh, to your oil prices there. Uh, yeah. But the uh, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve recently fell to about 450 million barrels, uh, which is the lowest since January of 1985. Uh, releases started in March with 30 million barrels. Biden had said that we're going to release a million barrels a day for six months, um, basically every month, and we'd release 30 million barrels or so. And that was a 180 million barrel plan uh, to lower gas prices. And he released the last 15 million barrels on uh, this past Wednesday. Now, the U.S. consumes about 20 million barrels a day and produces about 11 million barrels a day. So we're already in a, in a deficit there. The administration plans to refill the strategic petroleum reserve for, with all the, you know, the oil that it's taken out over the past uh, past six months. But they didn't say when, so it could be at some point in the future. But gas price or you know, oil prices are going to be pretty high at that point. One thing that I was looking into um, because I'd heard a little bit about it, and I, you know, didn't do exhaustive research, but I was just checking into it a bit more, and it seems it seems likely that. Some of that, um, our strategic petroleum reserves were sent to China. They were, yeah. So this, I'm going to make sure we have that uh, that in our uh, our notes uh, a a um, a source to that. But yeah, yeah, you know, it to was be taking our our oil. Right. Yeah. It, these last few months uh, were not sent to sent the last to China, few. Yeah. I looked up. I looked that up too. But uh, I think last it was, year, and, and that might have been because of some of the outrage. I mean, people were freaking yeah. out about that when it happened earlier in the year. Like, and and you know, the other thing that I just wanted to point out real quick with the you know the the excitement that oh yay, I think it's so great of the president to be releasing some of our strategic reserves. First of all, it's a risk, you know, when mm-hmm. you get too low and you have no plans to to you know. Uh, I don't know when he would would when when would he plan to 
replenish to, to your point. I, you know, you're not yeah, going to do it when, when energy cost is low because we're producing our own, right. which and, would have been the smart thing. Like so, there's never going to be a good time. Right. So he's, he's planning on, on doing this at some point. So the oil prices are going to be, who knows what, $70, $80 a barrel, something like that. Uh, Trump wanted to refill it when it was basically free. It was yeah. like $20 a barrel. He said, let's, but, but Schumer stopped him and the Democrats stopped him. Yeah. And so. but, but, yeah, exactly. Which, you know, that, and that was not good for our real security. And that, that again, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, every time you turn around, the decisions that they make are not good for us. Right. Uh, they're good for somebody, just not good for us. And so it, but I do want to point out that what drove me so nuts when they started re- releasing the, this, the even even last year, I think when they they did some release, and uh, Jennifer Granholm, the Energy Secretary, mm-hmm. when she was asked, "Oh, okay, well, thank you for um, pointing out how many barrels a day you will release. How many barrels a day does the U.S. use?" Mm-hmm. Nothing. Deer in the headlights. She says, yeah. "I don't have that data point in front of me." Why don't you have that data point in front of you? I would be so embarrassed in a meeting if somebody called me out on something like that, that that is my entire job and I don't know it. Uh, I mean, that's what blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. A core component of your own job. And you don't know. So basically, you made this decision based on no data. You you didn't make this decision based on fact. What did you make this decision based on? Uh, you know, political points. You mm-hmm. think everybody's just going to get excited? And 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 that that's the other thing. Do people just say, "Oh well, they're doing this. That's great. That's good. That's all I need to know." Moving on about my day, assuming that they're doing everything right and caring about me. Which, no, like, which <laughs> never happens. Yeah. So anyway, and 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 also talking of uh, of uh, oil production, then OPEC they were in the news recently about um, their decision to reduce production by two million barrels a day. Uh, originally, they said uh, we'll we'll keep it the same, and then they said, well, we'll we'll reduce it by hundred thousand, and then it was like, well, we'll reduce it by a million, and then well, that two million, we'll reduce it by two million. Uh, so the Saudis uh, say that they were asked by the Biden administration to delay these reductions for a month, which would have taken it to just after the election, um, and that their decision to reduce production was for economic reasons, and that the meeting with Biden that w- that happened last month was about oil. Uh, now, the administration says that, that they presented the Saudis with info that it's not economically justifiable to reduce production at this time, and that Biden's earlier meeting had nothing to do with uh, asking for more oil. So, in no way at all should it be seen as our administration and the, the president of the United States is going to foreign powers, asking them to adjust their behavior in a manner that will help his upcoming election Correct. for his party. Yep. It should not in any way be seen as that. It, it should not. Yeah, exactly. You're correct. Okay. It should not. It should not. Yes. Do yes. not see it that way. Bill, I can see it on your face. I'm looking at you. And I see that you're thinking that. Don't think that, Bill. I, it had uh, nothing I, to do with that. I, I apologize. The Democrats I'm would never to. do that. That's a shady, horrible Republican <laughs> idea. I'm going to change my thinking right now. Do it. I'm going to I'll also change my notes to reflect my, my current thinking on that. Yeah. My new thinking. <laughs> <laughs> can you just wait a month before you screw us over a little bit more, please? 
pal. Yeah, the timing. Come on, you know, man. The, the timing of this is just really suspicious. You know, even yeah. if even if they weren't thinking of this and that wasn't their intention, the timing of this is just so suspicious that they wanted all this done after the election. And mm-hmm. that they say it had, you know, the meeting had nothing to do with oil, which I think going into this meeting, we knew he was going there to ask them for oil. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know, uh, several weeks ago, um, I, I want to say, what was it, maybe a month and a half or so ago, um, I I loosely heard something on, on a podcast I was listening to about the Saudis being pretty annoyed with the way um, Biden was um, toying with prices and things like that by reducing his, you know, releasing his reserves and yeah, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Like the Saudis weren't happy about that. And they said, all right, you either quit playing around or we'll write this ship for you. Yep, because yep. they're basically like their argument was that this, this quote reduction in prices, that's not true. There's not <laughs> yeah. a reduction here. And, you know, you keep on messing around with it and, you know, and, and we'll show you. How much harder it can get, and and I I wanted to bring that up on a on a on a podcast that you and I were talking about. I think it was like maybe the green energy or something like that. And then I was like, and eh, no, it's just something in passing, not worth researching farther. I'll leave it alone. And then here it is back in our face. So, yep, yep. um, you know, it it really was a thing. Exactly, exactly, it really was. And to make matters worse, or potentially worse, on October 11th, Biden said that there will be consequences uh, to the Saudis' decision to uh, to reduce the um, uh, reduce their production by two million barrels a day. Uh, I didn't say what that was, but uh, there's also hints that uh, that they might be withholding military support from the Saudis, and this is a pretty interesting. Um, relationship we have with the Saudis that that our basically our our relationship is you give us oil and we'll give you arms and so uh, they seem to be messing with that and if they did if if reduction of the military support for the Saudis was the consequences that uh, Biden was talking about then uh, this shows that it would be a quid pro quo situation and um, obviously impeachable and and everything like that yeah. There's many impeachable things that he's done, but will he be impeached? Of course not. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But back to more stuff on the you know the kitchen table economics. There, the uh, European energy costs are skyrocketing, and that's causing protests in the streets pretty much literally everywhere. I mean, you you name a large city in Europe, and and uh, and there's protests. You know, Paris, Berlin. You know, everywhere. It's sad. Um, it it really is, and and not just a few people turning out, but thousands and thousands of people. I think there was uh, one video I saw of a uh, of a protest in Paris uh, taken from a uh, somebody's apartment balcony, and and you couldn't see the end of the people. They were just they were literally everywhere. And 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 see, that's one of the things I don't think people are really aware of just of of what's going on around the country, around the world. I find it encouraging because I'm so glad that people see it. Because yeah. like I've said a thousand times here, I, I, I look around and sometimes I can't believe that that we aren't all on the same page at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so it, it encourages me to know that that's going on in other countries. But and, and then when I look at what our country tells us, when 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 the press secretary or, you know, any of these leaders in power will say things like, oh, well, you know, this is just this is an effect that's happening all over the world. 
people all over the world are dealing with this. Mm-hmm. To me, I get the impression that they say that to us, basically like in a way telling us, be quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. You have nothing to complain about compared to what other people are complaining about. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, slapping our hands or giving you the poo poo. Poor <laughs> you. You don't like what's going on. Don't you understand this is happening all over the place? I do understand that it's happening all over the place. And I understand that it's not okay. Yes. It is bad that it's happening every place. I don't like that this is happening in Europe or, you know, uh, anywhere else around. I didn't like what happened in Sri Lanka. I don't like seeing what's happening in t- Taiwan. I don't like what's going on in, you know, in Cuba. It's like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and these things are actually relevant to what happens here in the U.S. because it said that Europe leads the U.S. by about 12 months or so. So, mm-hmm. what's happening over there with everybody having the ridiculously high costs for energy is going mm-hmm. to happen here. And there's going to be significant, um, probably significant deaths, unfortunately, significant problems this winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's, the, that. that's exactly the thing, because no, th- there's no reason it won't happen. Right, right. <laughs> and yeah, and even, even we're starting to see this in New England right now, because um, uh, they're starting to have... Um, uh, supply issues with uh, natural gas and heating oil and everything. Uh, you know, uh, believe it or not, New England does tend to get a bit chilly in the winter time, and so <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so that that's 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 an issue, and and Europe is is having significant issues with this with all their with all their heating. Uh, so we're we're starting to see that if nothing is done, then we'll see that much more dramatically next year. Oh, and also. Uh, I mentioned the uh, Strategic Petroleum Reserve and all, all like that. Uh, there's also a couple other reserves. There's, there's one for diesel and one for heating oil. Um, and basically, heating oil is diesel that is untaxed. Um, it's the it's same, same stuff. And those reserves are down to less than 30 days right now as well. Wow. And the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is actually down to about 20 days. Uh, Goodness so, gracious. So here we are in, uh, in potential times where energy and nuclear war and everything is, is looming on the horizon if nothing changes. And here we are. We've reduced our reserves down to uh, less than 30 days. Mm-hmm. Of uh, of reserves, uh, but no one's really talking about that. And and what doesn't run on diesel these days? You know, mm-hmm. you you, uh, uh, you the ships that uh, that transport our goods run on run on uh, diesel, and the trains that take the goods around the country run on diesel, and the trucks run on diesel, and everything runs on diesel these days. And the wow. forklifts that, that that put the stuff on the trucks, you know, they run Less on diesel. Everything month. runs on diesel. Uh, wow. So if there is a uh, some sort of a interruption in the supply chain there, then um, we only have a certain amount left. That is amazing. Yeah. And it is, it is incredible. Uh, but beyond, beyond energy, then there's, then there's inflation. Uh, inflation's another issue here in, 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 uh, in the economy. And I usually go to shadowstats.com, uh, which that ca- that website calculates out the inflation and unemployment in the same way we did in um, in the 80s and 90s before people started messing with it. Officially, the uh, consumer price index inflation is at 8.2% year over year uh, calculated. Uh, the last data we have for that is in September. Uh, but calculated on the 1980 methodology, then then it is 16.4% to 17%. And all these numbers are down just a few tenths from August 
CPI, which still isn't good. You know, if the actual inflation is 17%, that's that's pretty bad. Now, to give you a bit of a perspective, uh, not all that long ago, you know, a year and a half, almost two years ago in January 2021, when Biden took office, then the inflation was 1.4%. So it has gone from 1.4% to 17% in that same amount of time. It's really crazy. And again, is is this really an issue? You know, you decide for yourself, look at your look at your grocery bills, look at how much it costs to fill up your tank. Uh, Look at Mm -hmm. everything you buy, look at the at the uh, shelves in the stores and see if uh, if everything is there and and the same price as it was before. And, you know, and and that's the thing about it's just and again, like it it points out the differences between, you know, the the, the two parties. Like it's insane the amount of of spending and everything that they're doing. And and again, you you can only look at it as very intentional. I I mean, I I do believe that many people in power these days are incompetent. I I don't believe that they are competent to hold their positions. Uh, But I, I don't think that they're stupid. I mean, surely they do understand that what they are doing is causing and exacerbating the problem. Yeah, they yeah. they giddily talk about the fact that they got you know uh, the three point five trillion on infrastructure you <laughs> yeah. know w- which is crap but you know they 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 they're all excited about this you know how do they, can they have these you know I got my two hands in front of me on the one I had the fact that I keep making crazy decisions to create more money and spend more money then on the other hand I've got like you know worsening constant inflation and I, I'm like well surely these two things don't fit together you know it's they're doing it on purpose why are they doing it on purpose is it to um create more government dependence thereby hoping to increase the voter base is it to bring us down so that we're no longer the superpower which you know i think that Mm -hmm. it's obvious that that's happening because that's what the great reset is all about they they want us to take a back seat now they, yeah, they, it, 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 they, it, yeah. they believe that it's not our turn anymore. They yeah. believe that we're, you know, we're really bad people and a bad country founded on bad things. And it should be somebody else's turn now. Whose turn yeah. should that be? China, because they're completely on the up and up. You oh, know? of course. But basically, the, the upshot of this is um, perhaps vote for someone who can stop the spending, who can who can try to, uh, you know, reel the stuff back in. And that's. Uh, that's pretty much, um, pretty much the way to stop inflation is to stop spending trillions of dollars at a time. And that's really where we are at this point. Like, you know, recognizing that, uh, you know, we, we just flat out have to get some people in there that will counter what's going on Yeah, because it, I, I, I call me a doomsdayer. I don't see the country surviving another two years of this administration without being checked. Yep. Vote somebody else in. And so that was something that, um, you know, another another big matter on on people's minds is education in this country. And again, it's it's, it's another a place where you can topic. see our differences. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know, school choice. 
Republicans support school choice. Democrats don't. Mm -hmm. What is school choice? It's basically dollars following the student so that you can make a decision as a parent, uh, you know, to support the school system and, and th that you feel is best for your child. You have the uh, the freedom to send your child to the school that is best for his needs. That's a good idea, you know, in my opinion. Democrats don't like that. They like the unions having all the power. They like, you know... Yeah. Um, uh, the, 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 the local board getting ready, g g being able to decide where your kid goes, what your kid will learn based on your zip code, um, et cetera, et cetera. Again, they like that central power, you yes. know, um, you just, here are the scraps. You take what we give you. It's, it's just craziness. Why would anybody want that over what the Republicans offer? Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, the ideologies are. Um, you know, night and day, and it, it's it's a clear choice which one is better for you and your family overall. But so, but and, that's, and that's we basically see that. why uh, that's basically why Yunkin won in Virginia, as he said, the the parents should be able to determine how their kids get educated. Which, uh, to me, that to exactly what you just said, that seems like the logical point. Yeah. And, and I'm so grateful for Glenn Youngkin and people like him that are now coming out and, and trying to make a difference, putting themselves out there in the public eye, willing to lead, um, you know, willing to be the voice that we need. I, I, mm -hmm. I just I can't thank people like that enough. You know, I mean, because I look at what we need now in leaders and I think well, I can't do it. You know what I mean? I don't have a network of people that nobody cares who I am. I'm just a little no name but I'm, I'm so appreciative of anybody who makes this now their mission, you know, mm -hmm. like gives away their, their corporate life or whatever it is that they had been doing before and get out there in front and, and try and help and be the voice of the people. I'm, I'm so grateful for anybody who takes that calling on now. Yeah. And Yunkin's been doing a good job, but I mean, my God, the, the pushback and the uphill battle that he has are amazing, but he's fighting the good fight and he's doing what the people of Virginia put him in that position to do mm -hmm. fortunately thankfully you know luckily for us he's doing his job yeah and so it's interesting because that model that he used of basically you know what i'm going to listen to what parents want i'm going to take on some of these larger issues that families are dealing with i'm going to do my part and look how successful he was and a lot of republicans in uh, you know, across the country are using that same model and also having a lot of success. Yeah. And we, we know that's true because, uh, for instance, there's a couple of articles that are going to be in our sources here that I was reading about that um, discussed the statistics of student uh, of uh, dynamic changes in education since the lockdown year, really. Yeah. Um, and th they mentioned that so, you know, we had the COVID lockdown in 2020, then we started to open up our eyes to realize what it was that our kids are really being taught. We didn't like that, yeah, you know, yeah. and um, from 2020 to 2021, 11% of families started homeschooling their children, which is more than twice what it had been before that. Wow. And, Somebody's I mean, eyes got is, yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty significant because I know in... in I hate to say it because these days, if I had an opportunity, if I had a child, if, if I had grandchildren or anything, I would absolutely love to homeschool. I, yeah. I totally see the value in that. But when I was raising my own child and when I was a child myself, we considered homeschool kids to be weird. 
Yeah, yeah. And now all of the people who I, the families I know that are homeschooling, their kids and their families are the most, you know, like well-adjusted, good moral compass, smart, mm-hmm. involved in lots of activities, really bright futures ahead of them. Great parent involvement, community involvement, cool people. You know, they're not the yeah. oddballs that, you know, we thought they were at one point. The, right. so the stigma is coming down, and there's a lot more services and and, and groups and, and support for that as well these days. So that's right, and especially is, with uh, yeah, especially with technology and and everything, then you can you can uh, you can have a network mm-hmm. of people. You know, you might not be good at teaching, you know, let's say math, for instance, and you find somebody who is who is good at teaching math and you and you form a network and everything. And mm-hmm. you might be really good at, at history or something like that. And then you fill in that gap for somebody else. And, and yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's really, it's really incredible. It, well, and, and, you know, and exactly what you're describing is the opposite of centralizing all of the power and decision making. Right. You because know? the parents yeah. are deciding who gets to educate their, their children. Yeah. And, you know, and then that's something where you're, you know, drawing on multiple strengths, et cetera, et cetera. Like the government, this current government doesn't see things that way. Nobody else could possibly do anything better than we can. We are the government. So anyhow. (laughs) But guess um, what? So, yeah, they claim that in in last year, 1.5 million students fled district-operated schools. And in New York alone, New York City... K through eight enrollment dropped twelve percent in two years. Wow, that is. And we also know that these people are moving. You know, whether it be that they move, they take their kids out, whatever they're going to do. Um, you know, another big toss up. Um, speaking of this, this also kind of is a a circle, full circle moment to that Jennifer Granholm lady uh, who yeah. was once uh, governor of Michigan. I think she she was either governor or I know she was the district attorney in Michigan hmm. for a while, but. Crazy crap comes out of Michigan, that's for sure. Anyway. Yeah, Michigan of all um, places. Yeah, so Governor Whitmer is up there now, and um, the citizens there are gathering a petition to override her veto of a bill that would have encouraged private donations to fund education, um, savings for tuition and mm-hmm. tutoring and stuff like that that the citizens might have needed. So again, here you have... The public is interested in this program. They try to create something so that, uh, you know, businesses, whatever private private donators can make to this fund to help out people with school choice and their educational decisions. And the governor vetoes that. No, we can't have <laughs> private donations. There will be none of that. It's all tax and the government and what we say and the unions. And, you know, so it's like they, they, they get in the way of everything that you can think of to try and improve something. Because yeah. when we come up with an idea as the public, it's usually taking a little piece of power away from them back for ourselves. And they don't like that. Yes. There will be none of that. <laughs> there will, yeah, there will be none of that. There will be yeah. none of the, uh, of the uh, populace. Right. And, you know, and it's just the the things that are going on. And I mean, it really, it deserves an episode of our own of its own. And we're uh, running wild over on time. So but in Virginia, I'll, I'll give this one one additional example, because, of course, yeah, Virginia is local for us. So we hear a lot more about Virginia than other places. You can mm-hmm. look into this in any state and um, unfortunately find a pretty, pretty similar circumstances with the radical things that are being taught in schools now. 
the transgender thing has been a big one in Virginia. Oh, yeah. um, and it, it wasn't too long ago that it was exposed that a, um, a, a girl, a middle school girl, I think it was, was assaulted, sexually assaulted in a bathroom by a student who identified as a female but was a biological male student. Um, and this happened in a bathroom that the biological male student was allowed to go in. And instead of, you know, holding that student accountable for what was a, a criminal act, um, mm-hmm. they sent him to another school where he did it again. Yep. So, you know, that's bad. That's the kind of thing. And, 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 and what's even worse than, than the fact that it even happened was that the, the powers that be did try to come together to hide this. Yes. So, I mean, you know, these are the kinds of things that are going on. And so I think that people are starting to have their eyes open to them. And, and again, you know, the Republican Party believes that you should have a front seat in your child's education. There should be transparency in schools. You should know what's going on in your child's education. You know, um, uh, we believe that you and the family have the best um, understanding of what a child needs, you know, that this is supposed to be a partnership, not a, yes. you know, send your kids off to school and the government teaches them whatever they want. The parents definitely need to be involved. I mean, it's their yeah. kids. They should, they and should be able to, uh, to say, have a, have a large say in how they get educated and what they get right. educated with. It's on the ballot. So vote accordingly. And, and that, mm. that's one other thing that I'll say about this and then close the topic up is I, I saw somebody uh, posted on Facebook some kind of like it was like a meme or something poking fun at parents and it said you know for years you weren't even involved in your child's education and now all of a sudden you want to have uh, a say in everything that goes on in their classroom how about being involved and it was basically like a uh, what, what is the word is a referendum on parents like well you guys were you didn't even care mm-hmm. before now all of a sudden you care and 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 I really hate that because I don't like shaming people who need help, you know, for one thing. And also, I don't see the argument here. The reason these parents are complaining is that they're involved. If they just woke up and decided to get involved last month, last year, or, you know, a decade ago, it's good. Thank you for being involved, you know, and (laughs) and, and your child thanks you for being involved. It's like, you know... And it's, it's just a weird argument to me. How do you make that argument? So yes. anyway, and also so, um, on the topic of your of the uh, the issues in Virginia, especially Loudoun County, then there's a group I've been following called Fight for Schools, uh, which you can find at fightforschools.com. And uh, although it's mostly centered on Loudoun County, I think the topics that they discuss and the and the issues that they're trying to bring to the bring to light, and the fights they're trying to. Uh, to have here are relevant to pretty much everyone. Uh, Ian Pryor was uh, the one who brought all this to light in uh, in some of his writing, and now he's I believe he's the head of the FightForSchools.com. Um, mm. You know that whole movement, and and uh, so there's there's a lot of a lot of stuff happening there. Um, if you look at that, you could probably take the stuff that's on that and. Um, in general terms, take that to your local local area and uh, start to use that. Start to look for some of these things, perhaps in your local area as well. Mm, very cool. Let's see. And our last, uh, uh, the last thing here, we'll um, uh, run through a couple of uh, consequential elections, potentially consequential elections for uh, for what's coming up. 
Uh, we'll just do that kind of briefly because everything's changing all the time. <laughs> yeah. By the time we talk about this, things might have changed already. And, and I normally, basically, I mean, they, 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 I've, I've heard the, um, the number change quite a few times, but do you have it at the ready? The, the number of uh, Senate seats that could potentially flip. You know, we, we've heard it. Let's I was see. watching, um, I was actually watching Stu Does America last night, um, which is a, it's a Blaze TV product with uh, Stu Bergier. And he, he's been breaking this down pretty well. And there's not that many that are that he at least considers to be a toss up between between Republican and Democrat. So it's going to be a very tight one. Um, mm-hmm. In order for the Republicans to take control of the Senate, I think they have to win like uh, three seats, and and the Democrats have to win four seats or something like that. So it's it's very it's uh, there's there's around four seats or so that are that are considered toss up so it's it's very close mm-hmm. you know and Actually, you're going to go around it but i'll just tell you i'm 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 i i feel dirty but i'm on a cnn site right now <laughs> uh, you know i and and i do that just to have the balance you know occasionally yep, we'll yep, use yep, a cnn source but i'm looking at the um the 10 seats most likely to flip and you've got several of them in in your talk coming up but you got pennsylvania nevada georgia which was you know that was a weird one anyway even back in 2020 so uh you know i'm happy to see that one go right wisconsin which you know is it's a bit of a mess up there arizona we know how affected they are by the border and and problems and we know how they were you know a big a big standout georgia also in the 2020 problems that came up North Carolina, yep. New Hampshire, Ohio, Florida, and Colorado. Yeah, I think we have we can talk about some of those and kind of the same thing I'm seeing over here. I, I usually look at Real Clear Politics, which you can find of course at realclearpolitics.com. They sort of aggregate all the uh, the different polls and everything. So you can you can see outliers, you can see where some consistency might be. Uh, they break it down in several different ways. One of them is that I'm looking at right now is the uh, is the Senate map. They say there's um, uh, on the Democrat side there's 46 Democrats that are likely to be you know remain Democrat. There's 41 safe seats or not up for election this time because the Senate is elected every six years, so it's um, you know only only some of the senators are up for election this time. Then there's um, uh, five seats that are likely to be Democrat. Um, on the Republican side, there's 47 seats that are either uh, safe or not up for election. Uh, 42 of them are safe, and uh, five of them are likely. So it's pretty split evenly. And the seven, there's seven toss-ups. They consider seven toss-ups there, uh, which is Arizona, Georgia, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, which are you know basically the ones you just read off mm-hmm. the uh, the CNN. So it's it's going to be very close. Is is the uh, is the upshot for the uh, for the Senate, um, the House? I think pretty much everyone agrees is is going to go uh, to the Republicans. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But uh, at this point, it looks like that's that's what that's what it's looking mm-hmm. like. Yeah, um, yeah. The House map it looks like uh, Republicans would take that, according to Real Clear Politics. Um, it would end up with uh, right now it's looking like 175 Democrats, 225 Republicans, and 35 toss ups. Uh, so it looks like it would switch uh, substantially toward the um, uh, toward the Republicans. And they even say in in some of the polling. 
these polling companies will ask uh, likely voters uh, whether they're going to vote for a Democrat or a Republican just in a, in a general, you know, the general ballot, you know, ignoring the, the candidates themselves, are you going to vote for a Republican or a Democrat? And generally, if the Democrats aren't up in the poll by at least two points, then the Republicans will win. And right now, a lot of the uh, uh, the polling shows uh, Republicans are up by three point one points. So it's going to be it's going to be very bad for the Democrats at this point. Good. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's my and contribution that's the... to your segment. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I appreciate the the thoughtful analysis. <laughs> And in the Senate, um, and that's in that's just in general, but uh, specifically in the Senate uh, in Georgia, uh, it's Raphael Warnock versus Herschel Walker, um, and Warnock is is up by about two points, but um, uh, but Herschel Walker's been closing the the gap here pretty recently. Um, he's been he had a uh, what many consider a really good uh, debate. Uh, granted, he wasn't entirely polished and everything as as um, as Raphael mm-hmm. Warnock was, but but uh, Warnock had more experience, and uh, but everyone uh, seems to think that uh, that Walker uh, did a great job, and I've seen some yeah. clips from that. And, and yeah, uh, I watched a lot of it too. And you know, one person uh, that I was listening to, uh, an analyst, was um, described it as Warnock speaks to Atlantans. Mm-hmm. Whereas Walker speaks to Georgians, ah, uh, that's and that made a yeah. lot of sense to me. You know, I mean, like I, I I've said that for many months now. Um, I like Herschel Walker because I, I I like the way you know he is authentically himself, and he is uh, you know authentically a product of his um, you know his upbringing, and you know he's got an accent, he has a way of speaking that is different from my way. But mm-hmm. I I respect him, you know. Yeah. I, I I respect and appreciate what he says, even if it's not delivered in a manner that uh, you know might impress someone else. And uh, you know, when I look at somebody like Herschel Walker, I see an underdog. I like mm-hmm. that kind of story. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm not gonna when in my regular life, if I encounter somebody like Herschel Walker, I'm not gonna automatically you know, discount what he has to say because of the way he speaks. I'm not going to assume that I'm smarter than him because I speak differently yeah. or because I'm from somewhere else. Or, you know, I mean, like, I, I really, to me, I find it crappy the way they do, the, the left does tend to discriminate against people. And, yeah. and, and, and like, they're, they're complete hypocrites about it. They don't seem to see it in themselves. But I thought he did a great job. I and, so I, and I feel for the people of Georgia because that's the kind of thing. This is the way you know you and I can relate to this, even being Marylanders. You know, there, there's a vast right, amount right. of the state of Maryland that does not identify with the way the state is run. We don't <laughs> yeah. identify with the leaders. We don't agree with what they were doing. But you know, because we, we've got that that tri county. What is it? Anne Arundel, PG, Montgomery. Yeah, th- or what Baltimore, they say goes. Uh, yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and I mean, I would love it if somebody came in and started speaking my language, you know what I mean? Quote, unquote, right. the way I would, I would put that. And, and I think and, that's you know, why, uh, it, that's why Hogan won, I thought is, is cause he visited all the counties here. It was 23 counties in Maryland plus, plus Baltimore city. And, uh, and he visited all of them and, and, you know, took everything into consider or took everyone's thoughts into consideration instead of just like you say, the three counties in Maryland that make the, that make the decision. Uh, so yeah. 
Yeah. So it's, you know, when I see something like that going on in Georgia, and I think, wow, I really feel for the people if they're stuck dealing with this radical maniac, you know, um, because everybody in the city thought it was a good idea. Yeah. And <laughs> also, um, uh, you know, I, I don't doubt that there were some ill ill-gotten gains in that election, especially in that state. So... Yeah. You know, time well, will tell a, on all that. Yeah, that's something we're going to have to talk about in some uh, some future episode. Yeah. But, uh, and also in Georgia, there's uh, the governor's race, uh, Kemp versus uh, Stacey Abrams, and Kemp is up by a good margin. Uh, mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams, who uh, apparently still thinks she's governor, is running for re-election, apparently, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. In her own I, mind, I, she, I guess. But she she's not, she's not doing very well. No, and she said some wild, crazy things of late as well. Yes. Um, did you hear about when, I mean, she's up uh, on in a panel, I guess this was a town hall style something, I, I, don't, I don't know, but she said that uh, the baby's heartbeat is a manufactured sound to manipulate you. Yeah, it's all it's all uh, uh, misogyny is basically what it comes down to. It's just, I mean, her views are so damn wild and crazy. I, I it's just, and it's if that's going to help her. Yeah, and and it's 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 scary because I, I mean, speaking for myself, I can say that like even five years ago, like that recently, if I heard a crazy maniac like that stand up and say something, I would dismiss it because mm-hmm. it's so outrageous. I'm not going to give that any time, and I would think, surely nobody else finds this valid and relevant, so I'm just going to, you know, walk away from this. And you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, you know, the craziest, weirdest, wildest ideas are the ones that grow legs. Right. And that's the that's a sad reality of our time, I guess. Um, and they seem to be the ones that are really in charge, because, you know, Biden, who ran as a moderate... I mean, you know, he either was lying to us and he's never really been a moderate, which I've heard some people speculate about his career. And they've said, like, yeah, uh, there was nothing ever moderate about him. You guys just, (laughs) you know, believed that talking point or whatever. But, um, you know, he was supposed to have been a moderate. But then we can see that he's being led by the most extreme wing of his party. And to me, that is the Abrams of the world, the the Omars, the AOCs, the Bushes. You know, uh, Corey Bush. Yeah, and then there's uh, then there's Pennsylvania. Speaking of uh, of wild uh, wild things that are happening, um, it's uh, in the center. It's it's Doctor Oz versus uh, Fetterman, and of course Fetterman had a stroke just uh, what a couple of months ago, and and just been just been recovering. A lot of people say he's he's much better than he was back then. He's been he's been up pretty consistently and considerably, although he's been losing a lot of traction here recently. And now Good. it's basically a tie. Uh, so uh, Oz has been making some gains, and and to be clear, n- neither of these candidates are particularly good. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's kind of like uh, Fetterman's the worst of the two. And he's yeah, I mean he's because he's a total rubber stamp. And when you think right. about that from a logical <clears throat> perspective, let's just like walk it through logically. The Democrats could put up anybody, but they're keeping with this guy. So do do they feel better? about having this guy potentially win because they know already that he's just going to be a warm body with a rubber stamp and will carry out all the crazy things they want to do. So therefore, they don't care that he doesn't actually look like an optimal choice. You know, it it, it doesn't matter because in the, yeah, in the end, 
what they want is going to happen. Right, you know, right. So to them, as long as there's somebody there that's going to push our crazy agenda through, we don't care. And, 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 and that's what is like galling to me, you know what yeah. I mean? So how can you as a Democrat voter feel good about that? Like, I mean, they literally care that little about your intelligence, basically, that they'd put somebody like this up there that is, you know, once again, like hiding in a basement. Right. Not really able to to keep himself together. Um, you know, and, and again, like we're, we're sympathetic to his health concern. But, you know, maybe now is not the time. But the Democrats say, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like you say, his recent appearances have really been not all that great. Um, yeah. Recently, his his wife deflected some questions at an appearance. Um, Rolling Stone even calls her the de facto candidate. And, and there's been some interviews with her and. Yeah, she's uh, she seems like she's more in charge uh, than he is. More ambitious as well. And then that's um, what yeah, it's like they they're they're comparing. They're like it's it's the Jill and Joe model, right? That right, they're now exactly. seeing if it'll work. And, you know, it's 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 interesting because quick little um, sidebar. Did you see recently what what interview was Joe in that somebody said something about twenty twenty four and like you know how would. Uh, Dr. Jill think about you running again would it be okay and he took this long pause and he said well um, Jill believes that we're doing something really important and she would <laughs> well, want me that's to really continue convincing. that and, and I'm like, yeah I know and, and I'm like well I know that you all I know what you're doing Many of us yeah. do know what you're doing, and we understand that you find it to be very important. I mean, you're, you're dismantling our country yeah. in order for somebody else to take the lead. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's disgusting, and like, but I mean, they're, that's what they're out for. <laughs> yeah, we're doing yeah. something very important. The time has come. Right. And, and speaking of Biden, um, Biden campaigned with Fetterman, and uh, Fetterman didn't say anything, like not even a word. He was just kind of there, and and Biden. But he did wear a suit. I noticed he did wear a suit, and and uh, very awkwardly, I thought. But uh, but that's probably because we've just been used to seeing him in a uh, in a sweatshirt. Yeah. Um, and uh, even recently, NBC reporter uh, uh, Dasha Burns uh, said he can't do much small talk without closed captioning. Um, and everyone just jumped on her about that. Just, you know, how dare you? Uh, yeah. Then, then ableist. it was confirmed by the, uh, yeah, an ableist. And then it was confirmed by the Atlantic. Um, so if you lose the Atlantic, then, you know, you're done for. Yeah. Um, and neither, like I say, neither candidate is particularly solid, but um, we're going to see what's happening. I think on Wednesday, the 25th, then there's a debate between the two of them, which should be, uh, that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. And then there's then there's Arizona. It's uh, Carrie Lake and Mark Kelly are up for the Senate, or rather, uh, Carrie Lake is up for governor. Mark Kelly is up for the Senate, and they're both they're both in the lead. And some people consider that unusual because uh, one would typically vote for for all of the candidates in a in a particular party. They just vote right down the right down the party lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of unusual that Carrie Lake, a Republican, and Mark Kelly, a Democrat, are are leading. But that's not necessarily, um, I guess, that unusual nationwide. It uh, there's mm-hmm. there's other races like that. Um, it could just be a, a name recognition issue because they're both very very well very well recognized in Arizona. I love what's going on in Arizona. I'm I'm really very hopeful about that. Um, mm-hmm. I I I really really 
am hopeful that Carrie Lake will get in there, and and I do hope that we get Mark Kelly out of there too. Um, yep. It's it's really vital, especially you know when we'll talk about it in our next episode. But when when we talk about really understanding what went on in the 2020 election and being able to hold the right people accountable for that and make sure that we have a voting system and set of processes in place that ensure that nothing like that ever happens again, we have got to get to the bottom of it. We're not going to be able to if the same people in the states that were questionable hold power. Right, so exactly. I'm, I'm very interested in Arizona. Yeah, me too. And actually, Arizona is kind of an interesting one because uh, it's the Senate race there between uh, Mark Kelly, who's a Democrat, and Blake Masters, who's the the Trump-backed Republican. Everyone's basically, both parties have basically discounted the entire race as basically a Mark Kelly victory. But Blake Masters is actually closing the gap substantially. And so... Uh, the Republicans are starting to to notice that and starting to dump money in there, and um, so they're they're recognizing this too late in this race they discounted, and the Democrats are saying, "Oh my, here's uh, this this seat isn't as safe as we thought it was." So now they're trying to get in there too. So everyone's recognizing right at the last minute mm-hmm. that uh, uh, that they were wrong about this whole uh, this whole yeah. um, Blake and, Masters and, and Mark Kelly election. It- but it just goes to show you too the way they're they are often so wrong and 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 they 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 can't themselves actually prepare for anything because they believe polls that um you know often you, you really can't believe i mean I, I think there's a lot to be said about the the fact that a lot of people who intend to vote for a republican won't tell you exactly you know i think there's a lot to be said for that so they're only and hurting themselves if they if they want to believe that they're creating they live in an echo chamber mm-hmm. so they're used to just you know yelling things out having them come right back to them so they, they've been so used to believing that for so long i'm sure that it, it it's like unfathomable to them that people would be just, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, just smiling and nodding, but actually intending to hit that R button as soon oh, as yeah. they get into the booth. You know, and like you're doing that to yourself because you're, you are, um, you know, marginalizing or berating anybody that is a Republican. You're, you know, canceling them, threatening them, slandering them, talking bad about them. Why would, why would people come out and, and admit that? Exactly. So, and, and it only makes it so that they can't adjust. One of your, yeah, um, and to your point about uh, uh, Republicans not being uh, not being counted, that's that's a uh, a major issue uh, with the polling. And a couple of people have gotten around that by by asking, you know, who who do you think your neighbor is voting for? And mm-hmm. uh, so they kind of kind of get around that, and then the people think about it, say, well, I think it, you know, it's it's uh, this person, and usually it's a Republican. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they, they I'm not going to do it, but I think he would. I think he yeah, would, and and sure. so that that actually gets a little more accurate in there. In Michigan, really, the only thing happening there is is uh, is Governor Whitmer and Dixon are the are the candidates there. Whitmer, of course, the Democrat; Dixon, the Republican. And that's another one that's narrowing. A month ago, there was a ten point gap, and Whitmer was up, and now it's three points, and Whitmer's still up. So it's that's a you know the gap is closing significantly on that. You know, don't don't forget what uh, Uber Stormfuhrer Gretchen Whitmer was doing <laughs> during the lockdowns and all the uh, uh, everything with uh, with that. You know, yeah. she locked everybody down, but her but her husband could go take the boat out, and nobody could yeah. go to the grocery store to buy anything or or and you know, that get pathetic the, get kidnapping thing. Yeah, the pathetic kidnapping thing that pretty much been revealed that that was an FBI plot. Yes, more or less. 
Yeah. And the interest, the 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 really interesting uh, one that I found was the the race that I found most interesting here was in Oregon. I think, and I'll look it up real quick, but I think that they haven't had a Republican. Uh, uh, a Republican governor since 1987. Yeah, it's been a very long time. Right now, Kate Brown is the governor. Uh, she's obviously a Democrat, uh, but uh, Drazen is up by 2.4 points. And uh, the other one is, or the other candidate is Kotek. So that's really interesting. Kotek, of course, is a, is a Democrat. That's really interesting that, that the Republican right now is up by 2.4 points in Oregon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Of all places, you'd think this would be a solid Democrat uh, state, but it isn't, apparently. Wow. So that really goes to show you what, uh, uh, what's been happening out there and how everybody's been feeling about this over the past couple of years. And really, the, the, uh, uh, the main topic to take away from this uh, with all these elections is do your homework, especially if you live in an area with a tight race. Know mm-hmm. who you're electing. Dan Bongino says the Republicans might not be the solution to all your problems, but they're not the start of all your problems. Yeah, that's like, you know, you, you know, true. We can't tell you with 100 percent accuracy that the Republicans are going to be the answer to all your problems. But we can tell you with 100 percent that the Democrats are the ones causing your problems. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. And I guess, you know, in, in wrapping this episode up, you know, the the left the the you know the administration in power they've been fools to assume that they could pull the wool over our eyes and and keep us believing that the uh central issues to our lives are abortion mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and january 6th yep exactly and and you know i mean for for people in this country to be dealing with real problems that this government has caused mm-hmm. and to sit here and watch them play games and divide us and lie to us over i mean the the, the abortion things that might you know the lies the january 6th thing total lie right and right, you right. know they they're spending all of their time hoping that we will you know, and I, you know, I don't know what faith they have in their base, but, and, and I really don't mean to be insulting, but, you know, they must not think a whole hell of a lot about their base, period. And yeah. if it is true that, you know, the Democrat base honestly is sitting around thinking that the things they need to be most concerned about are abortion and January 6th, then, you know, I'm sorry, I can't have a whole lot of faith and respect in the, in the entire body of people. Right. And, I, and I know that's not true. I know a lot of savvy, um, free-thinking people who vote for Democrats that, I, 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 that can't possibly not see what's in front of them. You right. know, but, but that's what's so insulting to me, because it's not only insulting, but it's, it's scary and wrong because they are using those two issues to continue to lie and create divisions among us. And mm-hmm. I, I can't understand what the benefit of us being a divided people is, except for that as long as we are divided and confused about issues that aren't issues, mm-hmm. then you know they can continue going on and doing what they're doing to disrupt and dismantle our country and we'll be too busy fighting with each other to notice that they are the enemy. Yeah, um, but yeah. you know that's where it is for me, and then that's that's I I really don't have much more to say on it. And even Glenn Beck, I consider I call him a, the optimistic doomsayer. He says, you know, every everything's just 
uh, as bad as it gets and uh, and worse and you know we're all gonna die but mm-hmm. but guess what it's gonna be okay because we're gonna we're gonna find a way out of this and even mm-hmm. even he says right now all hope might be lost if we don't stop this nonsense in this election and if we don't then there might not be anything left in 2024 to vote for like yeah that's how quickly things can change this might be our last hope everyone it, says this might be the this is the most consequential election of our time and this time it actually is this might mm-hmm. be our last chance I, and i this agree probably with is that our last chance. i agree with that because you know they're 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 so deep and um you know, things that are going on right now are so, you know, insidious and and, and just the, the, the corruption has permeated throughout the entire system, up to down, left to right, every agency, every branch. Mm-hmm. They've been at this for a long time. Our eyes are open to it now. So we have to put people in power that will counter it, bring it to light, expose it, fix it so it never happens again. And yep. that is what we are up against in 2024. So I, I com- I'm sorry, in 2022. So I completely agree. I think this is the most consequential election of our time. Mm-hmm.